Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. Amen. Let's give a round of applause to Jesus. Woo! Let's give a round of applause to our worship team too. Aren't they, aren't they awesome? They're so amazing. Praise God. I'm so glad you came to Elevate tonight. You chose the best place in the world to be tonight at Elevate. Amen? Give an applause to yourself. Yeah. God is good. Guys, you're in for a treat. God, God prepared for you to, to be here tonight. And we're going to be, hear the word of God by Pastor Scott. Pastor Scott is Stephen's dad. You can see it's, it's an amazing family. It's an amazing family. So I want to welcome Pastor Scott up on the stage. Woo! Love that guy. Woo, there's something special about this place. Kristen's dad, too. How's everybody doing tonight? Good? No, I, I mean that. There's something special about this place. Uh, I could really feel God's presence here. Y'all have something special here. Do y'all know that? Y'all have something special here. I, uh, I got a call from Pastor Dom. I think that was, uh, I don't know, it might have been Thursday of last week, Friday of last week. He was so excited. He couldn't, I mean, he was talking a mile a minute, and he just wanted to tell me about the context, the context, the context. I have to let you know about this series and where we're going and where it's going, and, and he was just so excited. And so I knew that was ex- important to him. So did y'all know that y'all have a, a web page? Yeah, I found it. I love elevate.com. And so I went there and I was able to listen to Pastor Dom's last message because I wanted to make sure I was following that context. <laughs> and I listened to him and I listened to Jim Conley. And I listened to Chad Young. And this is what I took away from it. Y'all eating meat over here. Y'all eating good. They're feeding y'all. And the word of God is just that. It's, 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 it's meat for us. And I was so encouraged by that. And I was like, okay, great. I know where to go. The book of Mark. Are y'all enjoying that? Been quite a journey so far? Well, tonight is going to be a change in the whole presentation of the book of Mark. Uh, Pastor Dom explained it this way, and it's a great way to explain it. It's a hinge in the whole direction of the book. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about a hinge. I brought a couple. 
Anybody ever seen a hinge? We'll talk about a hinge later. But this beautiful book of Mark is presenting Jesus in a unique way. If you think about the book of Matthew, it presents Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who wears the crown. The one who's seated upon the throne. The one who is the heir to, to the throne. The son of David. And that's how he's presented. He's presented as a king. And then Luke presents him, Jesus' favorite really title, as the son of man. The one who emptied himself of everything and took upon himself the form of man. He humbled himself, found in fashion as us. That is, he put on, he was a blue jean t-shirt kind of guy. That was Jesus. And so Luke shows him in his humanity. And then John, of course, shows him as this word become flesh. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so we see him as the great I am, and we see those I am declarations. But Mark presents him in a different way. It's the same story, but presented in different ways. And he shows him as the suffering servant. And Pastor Dom has been taking you through a journey, and Jim and Chad and whoever else has been sharing these messages. He's taking you through a journey, and we're seeing that Jesus is, is bringing his disciples and humanity along in explaining and answering the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And tonight, the hinge changes. As Peter, last week, identified who Jesus was, we begin to see what is it that Jesus is going to do. Let's pray. Father, we want to bless you for your word tonight, and thank you so much for all that you do for us. I thank you for this place. I thank you for this house of worship. I thank you for the, the special atmosphere that is here. I thank you for the hunger for your word, the hunger for your presence, the hunger to serve you that is here. And I pray, God, that it would continue to grow. I pray for the leaders of this beautiful group, this beautiful church. And I pray, God, that you would use this place mightily as a launching pad for your word that will change lives all over our community. We bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 3 and 10, that's a strange place to begin, but let's go ahead and take a look at it. Paul is writing this to the church at Philippi, and kind of, I guess, part of a prayer, and he's talking to Jesus, and he says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, and I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Have you prayed that prayer? That's the prayer of a suffering servant, the prayer of the message of the book of Mark, that I might know him. And we all want to know the power of his resurrection. I mean, think about that. That's bringing somebody dead back to life again. That doesn't happen every day. That's power. That's the power of the Spirit. But he goes on to say, I want to know the fellowship 
of his suffering. And I want to be made conformable unto his death. Mark, the suffering servant, is answering this question, who is Jesus? And he wants us to know that. He wants us to be able to answer that. And we see these miracles after miracles. We see him feeding 4,000, right? With nothing. We see him touching blind eyes. And someone who has never seen before gradually begins to see. And I know there was this, this fight with the disciples to get the message of who he was. They struggled with who he was, and he kept on doing these miracles, one after another, to show who he was, and gradually they are beginning to get it. And then we get to Mark chapter 8 and verse 27, and Peter answers his question, doesn't he? This is from last week, right? Let's look at it again. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. So we get the answer of who Jesus is. He's that promised one who would come to save his people from their sins. But then we enter chapter 9, and we have one of the most amazing events ever recorded. You know, some people refer to y'all as adolescents. Hmm. Hello, adolescents. So from now on, can I just call you adolescents for the rest of the night? Hello, adolescents. Those in that 12 to 18 range, you are adolescents. So this great event recorded in Mark chapter 9, unbelievable, is the transfiguration. That's a big word. And it is the hinge that we have come to in the book of Mark that changes the question from who is Jesus to how will he accomplish the work that he has been sent to accomplish as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the Savior. So this hinge, the pivot point, the pivot point, you adolescents, it's a pivot point in this story, it's a pivot point in your life. We go through life and we have all of these pivot points. We're here. And then we're there, and it hinges on a certain person. And that person is Jesus Christ. So this suffering servant, this Jesus, he reaches this point in his ministry. Do you know he was only 33 years old when he died? Does that seem old to y'all? Well, I won't tell y'all my age then. 33 years old. Such a short life. And now he's come to the halfway point of a, a short. He only ministered for three years from the time of his baptism 
And here he is at a, a, a pivot point in his life, and he sets his face to Jerusalem to accomplish that which the Father has sent him to accomplish, to die, to suffer, to be crucified, the most cruelest of all deaths. And he sets his face steadfastly to march on to Jerusalem. And this is the pivot point that is going to bring us into the story of the suffering servant laying down his life, being crucified, being buried, and rising again. So we come to Mark chapter 9 and verse 2. Watch this story with me. I just, just kind of visualize it in your mind. The best you can, just, just try to visualize this. This is real. This happened. Visualize it in your mind. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen. Did y'all visualize that? Amazing. An amazing story that takes place here in Mark chapter 9. This hinge on which the book of Mark is about to swing into the last chapter. It's very private. He takes three guys. You know how many disciples did he have? He had 12, right? But he only takes three. It's a very private moment. He takes James and John, who are brothers. He takes two brothers. You know what their nickname was? Anybody know their nicknames? Sons of Thunder. Wow, these, look, these were some serious guys. They were fishermen. They were hardcore. They were, like, they were the kind of people you find down in Pornishan. Yeah. And Peter was no different. So James and John and Peter, three hardened guys. These were guys with calluses on their hands. These were guys that were sunburned. These were guys who live by the sweat of their brow. And he takes those three in this private moment, these three men, he brings them up this high mountain alone, and the Bible says that he is transfigured before them. What a word, transfigured. We don't use that too often. We use the word transformed in Christianity a lot, right? But he was transfigured. Hmm, what is that? Transfigured. The Greek word is metamorpho. 
And it literally means to change. Are you, listen, listen to this. This is important. He's up there on this mountain with these three guys. And God changes him. He transforms him from the inside or from the outside to match what is on the inside. Remember, he had taken on himself flesh and blood. He had laid down his deity. He had laid down. He had emptied himself. God, help us to empty ourselves tonight. The word is kenosis. Jesus, he laid it all down. He laid it all down. And his outside was rugged. The Bible said he had no form of comeliness that we would desire him. But he's transfigured. He's transfigured before these three guys. And he just completely changes. Suddenly, his exterior begins to match the inward reality. Have you ever met anyone like that? They're just different. And that happened to Jesus. This, this transformation, uh, but really a transfiguration to change the outside, to match the reality of the inside. Divine glory was veiled by this thing called flesh. The one who created you and I became the created. But all of that was pulled back. His clothes became white, intensely white, bright and shining white on the top of the mountain. White is righteousness. And for us believers, he clothes us with that righteousness. That righteousness becomes our righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for me that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's the kind of righteousness we get. And it says that there was this radiance. There was a, a radiating power all around him. I love that word. My kids know I love that word. It's a big word in my life. But I, I really wanted to maybe give you another example of this transfiguration, if you will. So let's look at this same John, this same John that was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, years later, is on an island called Patmos. John the Revelator sees Jesus in Revelations chapter 1. And let's see what happened. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword. 
and his face was like the sun shining full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Wow. Isn't that a picture of the Jesus that we just sang to? The Jesus that we just worshiped? He's serious. He's powerful. He's pretty awesome. And this is the type of transfiguration that they saw on the mountain that day. They had been walking with Jesus. They had been eating meals with him for all of these years. And to see him transfigured into this divine revelation. And God spoke, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. They didn't know what to do. I mean, they were terrified, literally terrified. So Peter was like, let's, let's, make some, uh, let's make some tents, which is kind of like in reference to the Feast of Tabernacles. He didn't know what else to do. And God spoke out of a cloud and said, this is my son. Listen to him. And then they're coming down the mountain. And as they're coming down, after this great revelation, this great uh, just privilege of seeing Jesus in his power. They're coming down the mountain and he's speaking to them about his resurrection. He's shifting gears. The hinge has swung. The pivot point is here. And his face is set to Jerusalem and he's telling them, don't tell anyone. But I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And I'm going to be betrayed. And I'm going to be arrested. And they're going to put me on trial. And they're going to beat me. And they're going to crucify me. And they're going to bury me. But after three days, I'm going to rise again. What do y'all think about that, adolescence? Huh, adolescence? Why does God want you to know who Jesus is? Why does he want me to know who Jesus is? Why? Is this so important to us, adolescents? There's this guy. He was a, a psychologist and a theorist. And really, I guess his, his practice is humanistic in nature. His name's Eric Erickson. And he devised this theory of psychosocial development. And in this series, this theory of psychosocial development, he broke down stages of human development and he saw them as a crisis that we all must face. And as we go through these crises, we navigate these crises, we move to the next stage. So adolescence, you are in what Erickson would call the psychosocial stage of human development that is a crisis of identity versus role confusion. Identity versus role confusion. 
So as you are going through your teen years, you're figuring out right now, who am I? Who am I? What is life all about? What is my purpose? And if that is satisfied, according to Erickson, that is, if you will arrive at that conclusion of who you are as you go through this stage, as you, as you are, I mean, this is a time of uh, intense biological change, but even intenser exploration as you're figuring out what are your personal values. Every single day at school, you're asked, you have to decide what are my personal values going to be? Am I going to hold to the values that I've been taught by mom and dad? Am I going to hold to the values that I've learned at church? Am I going to pick up the values of this peer group or that peer group or this? These personal values and your beliefs. What do I believe as a person? What do I believe about God? What do I believe about people? What do I believe about society? And what are my goals? Where do I want to go with my life? Where do I see myself? This, this is a crisis for adolescence. A crisis. So you're at a point in your life where you're moving from being a kid to being an adult. I don't like the word adolescence. I don't know, it just sounds kind of clinical. You're beautiful children of God. But you're growing. And you're figuring these things out. And he wants us to know who he is. And he wants you to know who you are. Identity versus role confusion. Why do we need to know who Jesus is? Why do we need to know what his mission is? This hinge, the hinge will take you there. The transfiguration will take you there. Confusion or identity. You probably know some and have some friends that are confused. They're struggling with these very questions of what is this all about? What are my values going to be about? What are my beliefs going to be about? But there's a pin right in the middle of that hinge that is stationary. It's settled. It's unchangeable. The pin doesn't move. The hinge swings. But the pin doesn't move, and that unchangeable, unmovable pin in our life is Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the door is swinging in your life. The door is always swinging in your life. With every decision, the door swings. And Jesus is taking us personally up the mountain. Every time we lift our hands in worship, he inhabits our praises and he's taking us up to the mountaintop. Don't you love the times of praise when you can just get lost in it? And he's so real and he's right here 
and you see him transfigured before you and you feel the nearness of his touch, but you have to come back down the mountain and you have to get up in the cold tomorrow and go back to school. And you have to deal with teachers. And you have to deal with bullies. You have to deal with other students you don't get along with. So we all have to come down the mountain, don't we? But Jesus was transfigured. He showed us his authentic self. Do you know that there's two sides to every coin, right? There's two sides to every coin. But Jesus showed his true self, but it was already there. It's just that we began to see what was on the inside when he was transfigured. And it emanated in his exterior. We saw the authentic self. And you know, you, you have two selves. You have a true self. The, the side that probably only you really know. The side that hurts. The side that is really struggling with this identity versus role confusion stuff. And then you have your ideal self. That's the self you want everybody else to see. Right? That's the, the Instagram self. Right? But to align the two is so important. When, when we align the two, we have transformation. And for us, that, that's a different word. It's, it's a present passive verb. That means I can't be transformed on my own. It's progressive. It doesn't happen all at once. I can't do it on my own. It happens as I study. It happens as I worship. It happens as God's word is hidden in my heart. It happens as the Holy Spirit leads me away from sin. It happens as I grow as a person and a child of God. I'm being transformed. We are being acted upon. And transformation takes place just as he was transfigured. Look at 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. As, as we wrap up tonight, watch the power of, of this for us. And we all, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That same transfiguration he wants to trans show that transformation in your life. This is the hinge. When you figure out who he is, you will figure out who you are. Because your identity is wrapped up and swallowed up in all that Jesus Christ is. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's the power of the resurrection. As they're walking back down the mountain, as you walk down the mountain when you leave here, from the heights of worship and the heights of being with other believers and being in the presence of the body of Christ, as you walk down the mountain, remember the power 
of his resurrection. And do not be afraid of the fellowship of his suffering. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 21. As I close tonight. See, personally, he wants to take you up the mountain too. Taking me up the mountain times and times before, and I hope he does it again. But he's taking us up the mountain to show us his true self so that we might answer the question for ourselves, who is Jesus? Let God's word speak to you through this series. As Pastor Dom and the leaders of Elevate continue, let God give you a revelation of who he is so that you might know who you are in him. That will save you from what Eric Erickson called confusion, what we Christians call being lost. I'm so glad that I'm not lost. Because I've raised my hands to him and cried out, I'm lost without you. I'm lost without you. I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. What about your transformation? What about your resurrection? These are the questions that Jesus will continue to answer. Just as the disciples struggled, we struggle. We struggle with, with taking it all in and figuring it all out. But he's so patient with us, isn't he? We see in our last scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put on your true nature. As you're figuring it all out, He wants you to put on your true nature, which is His nature, to be clothed in His righteousness, to take on his attributes to be swallowed up in who he is. There was a radiance on that mountain. There was a radiance on that mountain. I love that word. You know, we're to be visible as people of God, as a church. Y'all realize this is a church, right? We're to be visible. And one of the definitions of visibility is the ability of radiant energy to evoke a visual sensation. And that radiance comes from Christ. It's a supernatural radiance that transforms us just as it transfigured Him. It transforms us. And your friends at school, and friends in your neighborhood, and those people that here maybe 
first, second, third time at Elevate, and they're still trying to figure it all out. They see that radiance in you. It's the radiance of Christ. Let it flow from you. Put on. Put on your true nature. Amen. The hinge has swung. Watch the suffering Savior as he reveals himself even more as we go through this book. I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. I'll stick around. If there's anyone that needs prayer, I'll be down here in the front. Some of the leaders can join me if we need more. We want to pray for you, whatever your needs might be. God, I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for the heart of your children. Precious children of God. I pray, God, that they would continue to grow in their faith. God, I come against the enemy because he's the author of confusion. We don't want any of that here. Our identity is in you and in you only. I thank you, God, that we are crucified with you. Nevertheless, we live. Renew our love for Jesus. Help us to fall in love with the suffering Savior. Help us to radiate as Jesus radiated on that mountain. Shine in and through us, Lord, to touch our world, to touch our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.